Well, good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone. <clears throat> I hope you had a good week. Um, now, I don't know about you, but as uh, lockdown has ended, I feel the pace of life picking up. Uh, the weekends are again filled with birthday parties. Um, Micah's joined a soccer club, uh, which means practice during the week and games on uh, on Sundays. And uh, as I was uh, sitting in one of the practices talking to one of the other dads, we were kind of, well, I was just asking him, well, how long have you been a part of this club? And, um, you know, what's it been like for you? And he was just sharing how his son is enrolled in a secondary um, soccer academy outside of the club, which means that he takes his son and his daughter to soccer practice and games seven days a week. And I just kind of had to quietly step back a little bit and go, okay, well, I'm not that keen. Jinhan and I are definitely not that keen. And so, um, yeah, we're just being a part of one club is good enough for us. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting journey for us. And, and of course that, that's, uh, filled up uh, a bit of time from, from the week. Joshua is also well and truly settling into school routines. Um, it's amazing watching him bring his uh, home reader bag um, back home, and as he goes through his reading assignments, it's, kind of, it's it's incredible to see him develop his his um, his his reading skills. This week is going to be a big week for Joshua as his uh, he he gets his cast taken off on Tuesday, which we're really excited about. Um, I find myself very tense every time I see him playing near play equipment, or every time I see him running or jumping. I'm just kind of like, just wait one more week, <laughs> and then you can go play like that. But um, we're we're very thankful that his uh, his bone has reset and he's getting his cast off on Tuesday. So we're very thankful for that. He also has an appointment on Wednesday at the U.S. Consulate as he's renewing his passport. Uh, for those of you who may not know, we have a, uh, a trip sca- scheduled for uh, we have a trip scheduled back to the U.S. in June, and we're all looking forward to seeing our family, which we haven't seen them in over two years, and so we're, we're looking forward to that. Um, for the first time, uh, I have designated days where I'm at the conference office um, or at the Victorian conference office. Uh, initially, I thought that overseeing church plants in Victoria uh, meant lots of time out on the field. But um, for these first few months, I've been amazed at how much administrative work there is, just working through finance reports and contacting uh church treasures and just working through the process of how how church funding works and um it's it's been good but also um i'm looking forward to the to the next season of ministry where i'll get to spend time on site with these churches and uh providing support um um i guess journeying through church planting with them in person uh, this new role has meant a lot less time at the Melbourne City Adventist Church, um, but I'm glad I still get to be a part of this church community um, where I get to spend Sabbath mornings with you, and I'm definitely looking forward to next week where we get to see each other in person. Um, but yes, it, it has meant that there's been less time um, at our local church. Jinha has also had a very busy week. Um, she's been planning the different events that uh, will take place throughout the year, um, for our church, and I believe she's secured the venue for our church retreat, which I'm really excited about. Uh, we haven't had a church retreat in over two years, and the thought of just gathering together um, and, and, and spending a weekend together just seems really, really nice. We haven't set a date yet, but we're planning on running the retreat uh, the fourth quarter of the year, and so I hope that you can definitely join us uh, for our church retreat. 
As the year is flying by, I've felt a stronger desire to just slow down. Um, I definitely don't miss the lockdowns, uh, but I find myself feeling swept away by the year. And um, I just find myself needing the Sabbath so much more. I don't feel like I have enough time with my kids, um, and I find myself needing a deeper sense of rest. And not the kind of rest that comes from inactivity, but the kind of rest that comes from renewal. Um, it's a blessing to have this 24-hour period to step away from the busyness of life and just to connect with God and to connect with community. Um, and, and it's a blessing to find encouragement and strength and guidance for the stresses of the week. I'm so glad that you could join us this uh, join us this morning for our live stream. Uh, today I'll continue my series on growing in grace. And last time I spoke, we explored Acts chapter 2. And let's see here. Yeah, last, last time I shared, we um, explored Acts chapter 2, and I shared how Chiri Hayes observes a literary structure called an inclusio in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 to 47. <clears throat> You'll notice verses, in verses 41 and 47, in the gray, both of these verses are highlighted um, excuse me, both of these verses are highlighted in gray, and, and, and they specifically talk about the numerical growth in the church. Now, because both of these verses have similar content, they serve as a boundary to verses 42 to 46. And the author is communicating to the reader, if you want to know how the church grew in such a significant way, then pay close attention to the verses in between the boundary texts. There's an inclusion of ideas that is communicated through the repeated boundary texts. In verse 42, the author highlights four devotional practices that led to the growth of the church in Acts, uh, which consist of attention to God's word and works, shared participation and resources, breaking of bread, and prayer in worship. Then in verse 43 to 47, the author expounds on each of the practices. And while these practices led to numerical growth, these practices, more importantly, lead to spiritual growth. So, in part one of this series, I shared about God's word and his work, and today I'll cover the devotional practice of a shared participation and resources. I'm just going to invite you to join me for one more word of prayer as we open God's word together. Father God, as we continue on in this series of Growing in Grace, and as we talk about this aspect of um, being a part of a community where we share uh, with one another, I just want to pray that you would speak to our hearts. And as we um, are kind of having our last online service and entering into an in-person service, I pray that we would be able to experience a deeper sense of community with one another as we implement these principles. And so um, I just pray that your spirit would speak to us this morning. We pray in your name. Amen. In the Greek, the word for shared participation is koinonia, which is often translated as sharing, fellowship, or communion. And here in Acts chapter 2, 
Luke, the author, lists community as a devotional practice. There's something spiritual about being a part of a group of people that have a common goal, uh, which practices a shared belief and provides support for those who are in need. This idea of community can be a challenge for many as we live in a Western culture that um, values individualism. Historically, religious institutions abuse the power that it possessed, and for that reason, many prefer um, an individualized personal spiritual journey. Many people don't want to be controlled by an institution. And on top of that, stepping into a church community is not easy. Um, you have to rub shoulders with people who don't believe the same things that you do. Um, you have to navigate awkward conversations and the scrutiny of people as well. It's easier to listen to a sermon online in the comfort of your own home. When I look at the church in the book of Acts, through the lens of Western Christianity, there's an intensity that's present um, that provides an alternative to an individualistic approach to spirituality. Now, while institutions that oppress should be avoided, uh, the Bible presents a different way of being a community. Notice Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 44 to 46. It says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. If you keep reading in the book of Acts, this is not a singular event. The pattern of selling property and donating um, the proceeds is repeated. When you look at Koinonia in the book of Acts, it's this tangible, it's tangible and action-oriented. People who participated in fellowship were willing to sacrifice and share all of their resources, their space, their time, and their stuff with anyone in their community. The church existed to serve the community and not the other way around. And I think that's one important thing to differentiate between this form of community and uh, maybe the medieval church. The Bible says that the driving force behind the giving and connecting and sharing came from their fellowship with God. The Bible presents God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as having perfect fellowship. This fellowship is really what heaven is about. Experiencing joy, generosity, and peace. As we're drawn into that same fellowship, receiving all that God has in perfect, or excuse me, all that God has to give, we are then to extend the same kind of sacrificial giving to others. Notice Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. Jesus prays, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The rest of the New Testament writers who experience this fellowship also extend the same invitation. Notice these three passages. 
1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Father be with you all. And then 1 John 1 3. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. God wants us to receive and reflect the generous fellowship that he enjoys as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the mission of God, to unite creation to himself and human beings to one another. Our family has received so much from so many people in this church. I can't tell you how much that generosity has meant to us as a family. Um, Melbourne feels like home because you are here and we feel connected to you as a family. I don't know if you know this, but as a young girl, Jinha traveled uh, from place to place and moved around quite a bit. And Melbourne is the longest place that she has lived in at any point in her life. And so, um, especially for Jinha, she's like, you know, there are people in this church that I've known longer than anybody else outside of my own family. There's something powerful about giving and sharing in the context of a spiritual community. I think of Maggie, who lives in the East, but drives out to Geelong uh, to spend time with Ruth. I think of James and Kim, who sent a simple uh, wedding card to Kay and Estina, uh, which led Kay to feel like he was a part of this church community. I think of group, the groups of moms and dads who are providing support to each other um, as they navigate the challenges of raising babies. There's so many stories of people in our church that have gone above and beyond what is normal to provide support, care, and comfort. As time passes, this church feels more and more like a connected community. People may not express it this way, but there's a sense of love that is present. I would go as far as to say that this is what it feels like when God is present. Giving and sharing takes trust. And if I'm honest, the greatest hindrance to me giving is the worry that there won't be enough. If I give my time to this person or this project, then I won't have as much time to do what I want or need to do. If I give my finances, I won't have enough for my own house, my own financial ambitions, or my family. When we feel like we don't have enough, the natural tendency is to hoard. We stock up on our space, our time, and our stuff to survive. Last night, as Jinha mentioned, we were at uh, Jonathan Gillard's ordination service. And as she mentioned, he chose to have his service, his ordination service at Gilson College in the outdoor amphitheater, which was recently built. And here's, forgive this picture, <laughs> but here's, here's a group picture. I, I grayed out the faces because, you know, we're online and um, I thought it's, it would be better to gray out the the. the individuals in the picture. <clears throat> but what I want to highlight is that blue circle, within that blue circle, you can see the steps of the amphitheater which serve as seating for people who 
uh, attend different programs or events. And what you'll notice is if you look at each level of seating in the amphitheater, you can see rocks behind this wire mesh. Now, during the service, our boys had wriggled rocks out from behind the mesh. And at the end of the service, I told them, put all the rocks back. Now, the boys having their own stash of rocks and being unwilling to let go of uh, their rocks, they proceeded to put rocks from each other's piles back into the mesh. Of course, it almost turned into a scene. Actually, it turned into a mini scene. I was sort of freaking out a little bit <laughs> near the end. And granted, it was it was you know past their bedtime and it was cold and they were tired of sitting in one spot. Um, but while I was super annoyed with the boys... Um, I realized they're portraying a normal tendency. Like when we feel like we don't have enough, we try to protect ourselves. Or if if we feel like something is being taken away from us, then we want everybody else to not have that thing either. The Bible challenges us to find abundance in scarcity. There are several stories of people who don't have enough, but they're called to give away the last portion to God. There's a story of the widow of Zarephath who is called to give away the last morsel of bread that she has to Elijah. Imagine you're in the middle of a drought, you have one child, and you have a tiny bit of food left, enough for one meal, and here comes a stranger knocking on the door, and he says, God sent me here. Can you please give me that last bit of bread, and I promise I'll take care of you. What an incredible step of faith that would have taken for that woman to say, okay, let me bake this for you, and then let's see what happens. Now the story goes that God provides and sustains for the widow and her son for the duration of the famine. There's also a story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 hung- uh, feeding five thousand hungry people um, with only uh, five loaves of bread and two fishes. Can you imagine being a young boy who has a meal prepared, whose loving mother prepared this meal for him just so that he wouldn't go hungry and some stranger comes up to him and says, can I take your food from you? We need to use it to feed these people. But the faith of the young boy saying, you can take, you can take my food. And out of not enough comes an abundance to feed the multitude. Now, I know we can get carried away with this idea of giving all you have all the time. I don't think God calls us to do this. Uh, A group of us students sat down uh, with one of the leaders from Adventist Frontier Mission, and he shared the story of how he used to work on Wall Street. And when he sensed this call to missionary work, um, the, the, the call was so strong that he went and he sold, he sold his house, he sold all of his possessions, he liquidated his 401k, which is the equivalent of superannuation, and he donated everything to charity. One of the students that were sitting next to him asked him, so do you regret your decision? To which he replied, yes. Now, I do think there are times when God specifically calls us to give. Jesus called the rich young ruler to give up all, give to the poor, and to follow him. That call at that moment in time didn't then mean 
that that rich young ruler could never accumulate wealth ever again in his life. But there was a point in time where God called him to give at that moment in time. And in the story, the rich young ruler walks away sadly because he can't give it up. I believe there are times where God will prompt us to give significantly for the sake of his kingdom. I have felt this on a number of occasions. Of course, I'll run it by Jinha to make sure she's okay uh, with the donation. And there are also times where Jinha feels called to give. And she'll tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, I'd like to give to this cause or to this person. Each time we have given, God has provided. But more importantly, we've developed meaningful relationships extending our community. The last thing that I want to say about giving in the context of community is that when you give, it inspires others to give also. There's so many in the world who are in need. There's so many in Melbourne who are in need. And you know, as I, as I say this, I think about um, the flooding that has happened in New South Wales and in Queensland. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people who've just lost everything. And while the social welfare in this country is incredible, it's not enough. There are some problems in our society that can only be fixed by a collective effort from everyone to create change. When you commit yourself to that change, others will be drawn to your cause or drawn to the cause. I've been going to the same dentist for about seven years and our whole family goes to the same practice. Over the years, I've had many conversations with my dentist, and he's aware of our church's involvement with ADRA and taking care of the homeless. From those conversations, he has donated boxes and boxes of dental supplies. He's even provided free dental care. You know, when I thanked him for his generosity, his response was, if you're going to give, then I should give also. His point was, he has he recognizes that he has significant privilege and skills and it costs him very little to provide significant help to those who are in need never underestimate your influence in the community both inside and outside of the church when you commit yourself to god's work and building his community his spirit will draw people to that same work and potentially that same community. I hope that this is I hope that as we begin to meet in person that our fellowship can continue to deepen and that as you sense God's call on your heart to give of your time, your space and your resources that you will encounter God working and moving in your life. May God bless you. As usual, we have our next steps. For those of you who um, are interested in uh, getting involved with different aspects of church ministry, feel free to scan the QR code. If you'd like a visit from uh, myself or Jin Hao, or if you have a prayer request, um, feel free to scan the Next Steps Connect card, and you can uh, fill out the form that way. As you do that, I'm just going to have a closing word of prayer. Father God, we come before you today and 
as we have been recipients of your grace, as we have been partakers of fellowship with you, I just want to pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would draw us into your fellowship to extend that fellowship to those who are outside of our community. And I pray that you would deepen our experience of you. So Father, as we practice this devotional exercise of, of um, sharing within the context of a spiritual community, I just pray that you would uh, give us a deep experience and encounter with you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.